Welcome to People Plus Culture, the vodcast where we join people and culture alchemist Mildred Black for meaningful conversations for today's workplace. Welcome to the People Plus Culture vodcast, conversations for today's workplace. Hi, my name is Mildred Black and I am your host. I help human resources and employee relations professionals to improve the quality of the workplace culture by improving the quality of human interactions at work. Thank you so much for joining People Plus Culture Vodcast. We are joined today by Bishop L. Spencer Smith, and we are so excited to continue this discussion on dimensions of wellness in conjunction with the 2022 Black History Month theme, which is Black Health and Wellness. And so, Bishop, how are you doing today? I am doing well, Mildred. Um, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Glad to see all of the things that you're doing with People Optimum. And uh, this is going to be a great conversation. I'm looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Well, why don't we start by you telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am, as you said, L. Spencer Smith. I pastor here. Uh, have been pastoring here in the city of Tuscaloosa, the Impact Nation Fellowship Church, for the last 25 years. Um, I'm a, a national recording artist. Um, have my own record company. I'm an author. Uh, I'm a husband of the beautiful Patrice Moore Smith, who's a native of Tuscaloosa. And I have three, well, four children, three and a bonus <laughs> uh, children, uh, all adults now, they're, but they're still my babies. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we're, we're enjoying life. We're expanding uh, our lives. I currently uh, enrolled in, um, in seminary to get another degree. My desire is to uh, teach in a seminary or in a college setting theology. So we're pursuing Exciting. that dream. So we've got a whole lot of great things going on. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, just to let us uh, know what you're, what you're thinking on these days, can you give us some ideas of some of the books that you're reading? Maybe one or two books that you're reading at this time? Wow. Well, you know, because I am in school, my reading <laughs> has increased <laughs> tremendously. But one of the books that I am reading, well, a couple of the books that I'm reading, number one is uh, Religious Illiteracy and talking about how we as Americans are really illiterate concerning religious idea and ideals of other cultures. And sometimes when you're illiterate in a particular thing, it doesn't mean that you can't uh, read them. But the idea is that we can't understand each other. And such a cultural center and core of who we are as individuals is our spirituality slash religion. So as, as an American Christian with a Christian frame of thought and worldview, do we really understand the, those who follow Islam? Do we really understand those who follow Buddhism and the like, right? And so it is really talking about that. And then um, the other book that I am starting to read is is uh, the book by Jamar Tisby. It's called The Color of Compromise. And mm. what, it, what it's surveying right now, it's talking about the roots of racism as supported by the church, right? Mm. And so it takes uh, a historical look at the uh, uh, fundamental evangelical institutions of America and see how they have been the seedbed for perpetuating uh, racist and all kind of other ist kind mm -hmm. of thoughts and how, how if that is... If, if, if the church and religion 
in America has been the uh, the nurse mother, the midwife of racist thoughts, then how can we utilize the church to reverse such a thing? So, um, it, so two important books. I mean, I'm, I'm reading a lot of stuff, but those are the two books that have really uh, caught my attention. That's heavy and, and, and very much related yeah. to this conversation about the workplace. You know, um, there are some trends in the workplace that are very interesting right now. We're in an interesting space. We have we are in the midst of what they are calling the great resignation, which is this mass exodus. Just in 2021 alone, 38 million people have resigned from their their jobs. And then we have uh, eight out of 10 individuals in the workplace. Eight out of 10 say that they are experiencing imposter syndrome. So even as they are climbing the corporate ladder, if you will, they are feeling disconnected from that from that rise, not feeling truly like they're in play, like they've been accepted or, or yeah. that they even believe that they're supposed to be there. And then there's work-related PTSD happening. And a lot of it is stemming from um, the, the, you know, behaviors in the workplace, whether it is um, biases against individuals because of their race or their gender. Um, it, it is also re just related to harm and, and, and mistreatment in the workplace. I think that we have a really serious desensitivity to each other's humanity right now, and I see it play out, unfortunately, in the workplace. And it's, it's, it's challenging to watch. And then the last piece is connection. People say that they just feel disconnected and, and they're leaving jobs just because they don't feel connected. There's a connection gap. 77% of employees say that they want to work at an organization where they feel connected to the purpose and the mission of the organization and to the people. And so we've got this big disconnect and this big move, this transition in happening. And, and I know that your lens is a very important lens in that equation from the spiritual health and well-being of individuals. I really want to talk with you about, you know, where, where do you see this going and where, what is our greatest opportunity? So if we could just get right into it. When you hear the theme for Black History Month, Black Health and Wellness, what is that, what is, how does that resonate to you, Bishop? I think when we talk about Black Health and Wellness, I think we need to, from a very, you know, organic place, talk about just a particular anthropology, right? We need to talk about this whole idea that everyone from their created sense desires dignity, mm -hmm. desires dignity to be bestowed. Um, and then there is also a need to bestow dignity. And when there is a void there, then we're going to begin to see a lot of what, we, what you've already said in the precursor conversation as a disconnect. We're going to see a lot of resonations from, from reality. And that is because uh, we've not spent uh, quality time uh, dealing with the levels of relationship, that holistic individual relationship, some people call self-help, self-wellness, self-wholeness, holistic health. Um, I think because there is not a healthy sense of self, we're seeing all these relational, uh, relational disconnects. And yes, uh, those things will be, uh, will trend to resignations because I don't think people know how to appreciate, first of all, themselves. But as a pastor, what I'm finding out is that the core of that, the core of that is that you cannot, you can never be healthy and whole with, when there is no divine epicenter, right? Mm -hmm. When there is nothing inside of you that is perichoretically dancing with the, with the purposes of God for which you created. So then the scripture is correct. 
right? After all of these years, we're proving the church and the Bible, all those years we were putting it down and going to our soulish and psychological and spiritual selves. Mm -hmm. We're understanding now that he says, when you love God with everything, right? The creator, your father, uh, when you love that source, that, that higher being that created you with everything you have, then he'll teach you how to love yourself. And out of that, we begin to love our neighbor. And so Mildred, I think what we're seeing now is a tremendous dearth, dearth of God awareness. Mm. Um, and that can be whatever God people ascribe to. Mm -hmm. um, for us as Christians, of course, we know that's Jehovah Yahweh, right? Mm -hmm. um, but there has to be someone who stands outside of us that we can say is responsible for my being. We need to revisit, and I don't know how, how we do this, if we, I know, you know, we have this idea of workplace culture and then the church is somewhere over in the corner mm -hmm. but i think we've got to merge the, i think we've got to merge those three in terms of theological understanding that when there is a deficit of an understanding of your divine self mm -hmm. then there will always be a mismanagement of your demonstrated self mm. let me say it again mm. when there is a deficit in understanding of your divine self there will always be a lack of stewardship or mismanagement of your demonstrated self right mm. and so all of us who in, in the workplace whether it's church whether it's workplace whatever kind of relationship that we are attempting to establish we've got to first see ourselves in the image of someone that does two things that has two locations he's, he's he stands outside of us that individual that person who has created us stands outside of us in creation mode right and then lives within us watch this in creation mode in mm. formation mode right mm -hmm. and so for me you and i who are christians that jehovah yahweh he stands on the outside of us creating who we are yes let us make man in our own image but then he's on the inside of us creating or better shit better, better yet formatting us uh, bringing us through spiritual formation so what he created us to be we can become and we can extend that level of grace and love and dignity to others because we begin to see ourselves in a creative mirror he has created all of us we learned this in sunday school red and yellow black and white we are precious in his sight yes. right so it's it's that it's that visual sight but that insight into the hearts of people that will cause us to understand that this great void that we're feeling this great resignation this great sense of not even wanting to go to work not wanting to be around people this sense of of isolation isolation I know people say well i'm, I'm right i want to work by i work for myself all that everyone has not been given the gift of entrepreneurship in that vein Yes. There are people that have been created to work for other people, right? True. But it, it's the pain and the pressure of the daily microaggressions, the mm -hmm. people not being not not finding it's a, a safe place to work that has people in these psychological and emotional places where they want to disconnect. But when we begin to have a greater understanding of our divine selves, then we can have a greater mobility of our demonstrated selves and treat people, treat each other with the kinds of dignity and love um, that is required for successful businesses, relationships, and even what I do, successful church. Absolutely. And you know, the, the reality is that there is no difference between the relationships between individuals who are working together and the interface to the end customer, whether it is a product or a service. There is no way you can expect to get something greater 
out of a thing than what is going on inside of it. Can I mean? I mean, no, I, no, I, no, that's right. <laughs> it's it's very Absolutely. difficult to expect that. So the way that the way that I am feeling, or the way that people are feeling inside of a workplace. It could very well be the same way that the customer feels when they interface with the product or service. So this is important stuff. Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. You, and see, you, go ahead. what we need to understand is our outputs. Our outputs are reflections of our inputs, right? Yes. That, that's that's kind of that's that's business one hundred and one. I can be I can provide no strength of customer service if. All of us are fighting, you know. You know, the greatest part of a of, of a restaurant is its kitchen, mm -hmm. right? It's the messiest place, but it's <laughs> the place where we have to trust that there is some kind of symbiotic relationship going on with the cook, with the waiters, with all of these other people's uh, people, all these things. Because if that inward place, that kitchen falls apart, I'm not trusting the food. No, you know what I'm saying <laughs> because you can't you can't serve me more than you serve the people who work with you. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And of course, we're in Black History Month and the conversation is um, through the lens of Black history. I'd like to hear from you about where we've been and what can we learn from where we've been? Wow. You know, um, I know it's a big question. <laughs> no, no. I mean, uh, and I'm going to try to localize it as best I can. Thank I think you. where we have been is that we have to, you know, uh, we have to regard each other's historiographies in a better way, mm -hmm. right? We've got to begin to, I think one of the, one of the things, especially in this country, as it relates to uh, black history is that it keeps trying to paint a picture of something that has, that didn't happen, right? Mm -hmm. It's so busy trying to rewrite the story instead of facing the history of this country, the things that were done, yes. um, the policies and the laws that's, that were set that, you know, that all, all of us are affected. Here comes this word, um, intersectionally, yes. all of us affected because of the way that this country was founded. And so as long as we talk about Washington, Jefferson, Adams, Franklin, and, and that is the, that is the biography of the country, um, then we are okay. But then there are, there's a whole lot of, and if I can say this, there's a whole lot of tolerated atrocities that happen yes. that also make up the, the, the mixture of the soil. And so when you place the seed of a population and a soil that is already defective and deficient, mm -hmm. you're going to get all of the things that we have gone through in history from, uh, from 1619 um, through uh, in, in the 1700s yes. when we get to the, the Civil War with mm -hmm. Abraham Lincoln, the fight over slavery and economic uh, 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 provisions with regard to the South against the North and those people of those mindsets. When we get post to reconstruction, mm -hmm. there's another issue. We don't want these, these people who were formerly slaves educated. We don't want them sitting on the place of speaking to our local governments, our national government. So we're going to institute policies, you know, that, that disenfranchise them. And then now we are in post-reconstruction fueled by Jim Crowism. Mm -hmm. And then we come into the 1900s with regards to the civil rights, the voting rights, and all of these disenfranchisements that I don't really think legislation is one thing. But love is another. And yes. you can never legalize love. No. The, truth of this, the truth of the matter is 
as a black person, looking at our history, looking at our present and our future, this country has always hated its most loyal citizen. Mm. And its most loyal citizen has been black people. We have fought in wars for this country. We have taken uh, the, the worst of this country and done the best of this country. We set standards for culture and everything. And they, they, they have reaped from that. But still, there's a lack of total appreciation. Where are we now? I think we are at a crossroad. I mm -hmm. think that we are now at a pivotal point to where you're watching all of this on in real time in in in, mar in the marketplace in the educational sector banning books banning mm -hmm. certain talk we don't want to make you know some some persons who are of another race feel bad about the things that actually happen real things um, you know yes right real things and Winston Churchill said that um history will be great for me because I will write it and mm. when you have that mindset of only writing the things in history that make you look good mm -hmm. you're setting yourself up and that society for a downfall mm -hmm. and so where I think uh I I, I don't mean to sound definitely don't want to sound uh, dystopian, but I will say that we are, I'm a tad bit disappointed in where we are now because it seems like when our country makes so much progress, there is something, there is a pulse, there is a fear, that's mm -hmm. the word. Fear. There is a fear that comes back to try to rewind the clock. And, and I don't know if that's fear of retribution. I don't know if that's fear of a progressive advancement if I do let this happen the way it should happen. Yes, yeah, a progressive advancement. Me. Mm -hmm. Right, progressive advancement. And so I am hopeful for people mm -hmm. like you, uh, for people who are doing, who are understanding the 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 working together of cultures and yes. working together of race to articulate the dignity that needs to happen. Um, but I, I think America, who is a young democracy, and I think we very all, much we so. also need to frame it, right? Um, if we're looking at time, may, maybe America is in her teenage years with mm -hmm. regards to democracy. Um, I think we have an opportunity. We Opportunities do. scare me. Opportunities scare me because you've got to have people in a generation equipped properly to handle the opportunities to make things better, not just for black people, but mm -hmm. for everybody. And um, I think when we can have that conversation clearly without offense, um, it may be an offensive things that we have to talk about, mm -hmm. but if we can walk away without offense and then with the objective to make it all better, I think we'll be on the path to a more perfect union. Wow. 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 You said so much, Bishop. <laughs> So the, the, the reality is what I see in studying the history of the American workplace with the workplace, if the workplace were a stage, and you mentioned 1619, if we look at that, that stage, which is the place where production is happening, we mm. really have only started to even discuss people's humanity in that equation Really, sure. in less than less in less than a hundred years, it has only sure. been it has been less than a hundred years since we've started to talk about employee engagement or or yeah. anything to do with uh, emotional intelligence. These are all yeah. brand new. These conversations are really true. They're less than seventy five years old. I'm certain of that. Mm -hmm. And so Absolutely. we we have always been concerned about the production in this country, mm -hmm. we're just starting to even scratch the surface on thinking about the people. And we have such a long ways to go as you talk about humanity and people. I mean, we, we all are spiritual beings having a human experience here. 
and we right. are and, and, and my and I am I am wrapped in the experience of being an African American woman. And my pathway is 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 what is. Yours is what it is, someone else's is what it is, but all of those have to be looked at with respect and with Absolutely. honesty <laughs> in the history. Yeah, definitely. Yes, thank you yeah. for that. So so when we look at COVID-19, it really has been a turning point. It has been a huge that's yeah. a that's an understatement of the year, I think. <laughs> but it's been a turning point for how workplaces have changed. Almost one million lives in the United States have been lost due to COVID nineteen. I, I looked wow. the other day. I think it was at nine oh seven, something like that. And we have such a an abundance of new leaders in the workplace because Generation sure. Y and Generation Z are becoming the prevailing generation in the workplace. And so what I really want to do, because this programming is, is to really enhance the workplace culture, I would like to talk about how can leaders lead with compassion and with hope in the workplace in the midst of this being one of the most divided times, if not the divide, most divided times in our country's history, and, and all of what has happened with COVID-19, how can we um, encourage leaders who might be listening, who are responsible for teams of other people who are making a living, and many of them have been through some serious traumatic situations in the last couple of years? Yeah. I think these new leaders in the marketplace, business, and elsewhere, um, We've got to lose the the target in our own personal selves, this oligarch uh, target to be the next billionaire, to be the next millionaire, right? Because when you start talking about money, when you start talking about uh, making money and accu accumulating wealth, if you don't, if that does not work symbiotically with a non-negotiable of number one, self-awareness, number two, other people's awareness, relational awareness, mm -hmm. right? Um, if, you, if your only target as the young leader is to, to be the next Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or, you know, all of these other kinds of people without the understanding that if I don't take care of my worker, if I don't take care of the employer, if I don't, uh, employee, if I don't take care of the uh, the followers of my church, right? If I, if you don't take care of your staff, um, as 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 we as we have been given to them as gifts to mm -hmm. us, um, I, again, that's one of the things that I, that's why when I read the Bible, I always parallel it and try to contextualize it, correlate it to what is happening in prevailing culture. The workers, what we call the Levites, or what we say in the New Testament order, the deacons, and all the these people are clearly spoken of in Scripture as gifts. Mm. to the leader, mm. right? That these people, these people help make what I have given you to do as a leader run, yes. right? It, 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 it's, 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 he tells Habakkuk, who is the leader, that you have this vision, right? He says, okay, great. But here's what I need you to do. I need you to write the vision and make it plain. That phrase, make it plain, means to write it in bold letters, not for yourself, but for those who will run with you. Wow. Will run with what, who's trying to make these things come to pass. And so what the today's leaders and future leaders cannot do, this young, vibrant, energetic, change the world, transformational type leader is not fall back into transactionalism, right? Mm -hmm. Where I'm just, I just want my workers to come work. We want to focus on the bottom line. No, if you're going to be a transactional leader, we're going to get what we had 
all before. Right. Nothing, is, nothing is going to ever change. We have to lead from transformational leadership. Mm. If I'm talking to these young leaders now, you have to figure out how do I take care of that person holistically, right? How do I formulate the workplace structures? How do I adjust the cubicles and the seatings yes. that we can have interpersonal relationships yes, to yes. make sure that we take our times to really understand what's going on inside of the person, right? That I shouldn't look at Susie cry in her cubicle, but my mind is just setting in a transactional mode. I'm just going to, I'm Susie. I know you're crying. I don't care what you're doing, but I need this report because I got to No, If you're going to do that, your business is not going to be viable within the next decade. Because again, every, uh, because of COVID-19, everybody, leader and follower, employer and employee alike, alike is in some really strange emotional space, right? Mm-hmm. And so we got to, and they bring those things to work. Mm-hmm. They bring that to church. Everybody, Mildred, is in a hybrid dimension of life. Wow. One day I'm happy, the next day I'm sad. And we have to learn how to deal with those things. So and so true. if we're talking to future leaders, right, we've got to tell them, tell them, you've got to focus on the entire person, the the entire being of your worker. If you don't do that, you're going to have a revolving door. It's only going to be transactional and your business will not last for long. Wow. So, so true. Thank you. Thank you. You know, unfortunately, there are many work environments where harm is a part of the culture. It is normal behavior. This harm can come from behaviors, words, policies, or practices. But when it, when it does happen, it leaves many people feeling stress, anxiety, and even fear related to work. Mm-hmm. What would you say to someone who's experiencing stress, anxiety, or fear about work? Um, one of the things I heard lately from Kurt Franklin, right? Kurt Franklin, of all people. Everyone, everybody knows Kirk Franklin, the you know high-powered gospel singer. He was talking to a young man who was kind of talking about toggling up the vicissitudes of life, his emotional life, his family life, his work life, all of these things. And he, then he had this particular desire, right? He wanted to be this thing. And, and, and Kirk said something so very powerful that resonated, me, resonated with me that normally I just kind of flip up. If it doesn't pertain to me, I like it, I like it, and I keep scrolling. But he told that young man, he says, that is the weight of the dream. Mm. I, I stopped, mm. Mildred, because what happened there is th- there is no there is no where and no way that if we are living a human experience, right, that you're going to alleviate all stress, right. that you're not going to come up among hate people and hateful environments and hateful systems. You've got to know what your dream is. This yes. is what I would say to those people who are experiencing these things, who, who are internalizing it. You have to learn. They told us something really important growing up that I don't think we share with the current generation. And they used to tell us, you eat the meat and you leave the bones. Right? Yes. They're, they're, if those things are not key and critical to, to who you are and your dream and what you want to be, you've got to begin to start categorizing and stratifying your workplace and your environment. Our inward peace should not be as negotiable as we make it. Mm. We, we have made it. And, and again, you and I, we're from, what is this? Are we Generation X? I think that's yes. what we are. Right? Yes. But we Xers, we've had to, I think we are the last generation that's living in this 
this whole understanding of understanding pressure, mm -hmm. understanding struggle and strain. But we have to, we had to navigate those things in order for what dreams to come true. Yes. So on one hand, I'm going to say that you know it's easy to tell somebody, oh, separate yourself from that. But but we got to eat and we got to live and we got to mature. Look at that word. Mm -hmm. We've got to mature. mature. And the whole idea of maturity is simply this: is you've got to learn how to navigate those moments and focus on the weight of your dreams. Some things happen to you because it is development for who you are about to be right? You have to know what a bad leader is and experience the oppressive nature of a bad leader because in your future, you will become the leader. Yes. Now you're given a choice and you have experience on what not to do. So I know mm. we want to protect everybody from this harmful, hurtful things. And I, I you know, I think that our secret place are, is our home. I don't think I should come to work all the time and expect my work to talk totally be pleasant. Mm -hmm. I think that we need to cultivate a, spa a safe space for ourselves amongst family and friends and even yes. with our own selves. Mm -hmm. But in the work place i think we should understand that these things are the weight of my dreams mm -hmm. and i have to talk with people that may not always be in agreeance with mm -hmm. the weight of my dreams and, and yet it is my weight and i have to learn how to carry it so you know i hope that's i, I wish i had a, a rosy answer but i got to give you a real answer and some of those things are simply as kirk would say the weight of the dream that is so powerful thank you thank you yes because you got all these competing <laughs> priorities and competing uh competing agendas <laughs> absolutely <laughs> at work <laughs> right. of course right. and, 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 I, and we got to ask folks do you really want to be it do, do you really want your dream to come to pass well this is the price you know debbie allen in our day we had fame you remember fame yes and, and debbie allen and in the, in the pre uh the introduction of the show you hear debbie allen ask those students so you you want fame you know mm -hmm. fame cost Right. She and said this it. Is the things you have to do. That's what she said. And that's how we grew up. I think we need to have another conversation with this generation and say, OK, you want fame? Well, guess what? Fame costs. You cost. want your dream? Guess what? It costs. It's the price of being who you are. And then a, a big piece of it, too, is keeping a big picture perspective that we're there to learn. Yeah. And you're not yeah. going to always be in this position. Now, I'm not suggesting that anyone put themselves in a position to endure harassment or Absolutely bullying. Not. And then those are no. things that we must speak mm -hmm. up about and make known yeah. to a trusted resource yeah. inside of the workplace. But keep yeah. a big picture perspective about your Absolutely. career. It is a career. Right. It's not just one job. It's a whole thing. And it's so, a whole thing. <laughs> it's, a whole it's, a thing. Whole, it's a whole thing. My goodness. And we're going to have to, we have, listen, and what I do as a pastor for the last 25 years, can you believe I've met some hateful pastors? Mm. <laughs> I've, I've met some <laughs> rough individuals, right? And if I had listened to them, if I had listened to that and not understand that those were the things that God was using to temper me to be the kind of leader that I am, mm. I would never be here talking to you. I would never, I would have never have enjoined you, you know, in a relationship with you. But those things have made me who I am. So don't commit, don't, don't confuse the mess with the making. Yes. Can I say that? Yes. Don't confuse the mess, mess with, the, with making. the making. Right. With the making. Do not allow anybody to abuse you, take away your humanity. When that thing becomes ad hominem, when mm -hmm. it becomes against your person, mm -hmm. against your humanity, now it's time to take it higher or maybe step away. Mm -hmm. But if it's a normal course of you know, that this is not, they're not dealing with my person, but they're dealing with a work process or a phase of development, then develop and keep it moving. Develop and keep it moving. Thank you. That was 
powerful. So after living through the pandemic, there's a great deal of interest in finding a sense of purpose. And we're seeing, we're seeing a lot of new, um, new creations that people are birthing, um, whether it is a business or a book or a podcast or a vodcast. Um, we're seeing that. What would you say to someone who is watching? And it could be a leader or it could be someone who is, you know, an individual performer, either one who is finding, they're in the process of finding their purpose. I'd like for you to offer some guidance. Thank you, Mildred. I really appreciate that. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. Here's the thing I would say. This is gonna be this is gonna be this is gonna be crazy. But own your unknowns, own your personal unknowns. Mm. Right? Um, um, one of the things that I have seen is that you've got single people weighing in on with no perspective, no relationship weighing on how to be married, right? <laughs> yes. What married people should do. You've got people who have never opened up a business, started a business, or they're starting a business, trying to give you 10 points on how to start a business, right? They, to, to me, those people offend me because you've not owned your unknown. Yes. Right? Yes. You've got to know what you don't know, right? Mm. And I think, listen, authenticity is the order of the day. Mm -hmm. like we, uh, whether you are a leader or a follower, whether you are a pastor or a member, whether you're an entrepreneur or whether you're working with someone building their dream, you've got to, you've got to do all these things from a place of authenticity. You know, there's a theologian named Paul Tillich. His name is Tillich, right? Mm. And he wrote a book called The Courage to Be. Mm. And it, it and, and this book called The Courage to Be, he's talking about this whole idea of awakening the sense of being and, and, and beginning to establish your non-negotiables as God would show them to you, the perspective of self-worth and attitude and all of the obstacles of those things that might navig navigate you or navigate you away from your sense of being, right? Yes. One of the things that's very important is this sense of unknown, right? There are things I don't know. Mm -hmm. So while I'm coming on this podcast, on this podcast, I'm definitely not coming as a guru mm -hmm. of that because I'm not afraid to be in a, a place where I, I, I say, you know what? I don't know that. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I've learned as a young pastor. It's okay to say you don't have to have the answer to everything. everything. I think the unknown is the pathway to learning. Yes. Right? And folks don't like Yes, ignorance is the pathway to learn, right? Mm -hmm. when, and nobody's calling you stupid. That's something totally different. That's ignoring knowledge for the sake of having your own way, right? Mm. But all of us in some aspect come to the table ignore, ignorant about mm -hmm. a thing. Well, ignorance is the precursor to searching in knowledge out wisdom, right? Yes, sir. And so I, I, what I would say to these people who started a new and a fresh, I didn't know what to do with my, my, my first book when I wrote it years ago. Um, and so I wrote so much. I probably wrote more than I should have in that <laughs> first book, right? And because I just didn't know, right? And somebody came alongside and said, you know what? I think this book would do better if you would write a simplified version. You're writing in the, in, out of your own mind mm -hmm. and you're not thinking about There's somebody that's reading this book that just doesn't know what you know, mm -hmm. right? And so I started down this path of, L, what do you not know? Per what's your personal unknown? Because that's what people want. That's what we all can gather around the water cooler. Yes. That's not, not just what we know. I want, I, I'm grateful for the skill and the dexterity, the erudite essence in which you do what you do, Mildred. But I get to know you when you open up authentically and say, you know what? This is what I don't know. Mm -hmm. When I started People Optimum, I didn't know whether I would, I had a, group, a good sense of people who were speaking faith 
that an invisible element that believes for the possible. Right. But inside of me, I had so many question marks and so many unknowns. And it, it, it was mining and digging into the treasures of your unknowns Absolutely. that led you to this place. Now you know some things. Yes, sir. <laughs> you, 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 right? you, you know some things now. But how did that start? It was because Mildred was not ignoring her unknowns. She, you embraced them mm-hmm. and you shared them with people who would give you the, the knowledge, knowledge and the wisdom that you needed to be where you are. So once we once we begin to negotiate and understand our own unknowns, we, uh, those of us who are producing these created things can begin to grow. We, we begin to, you know, have books in volumes. As we grow, we have more to say. Yes. We don't have to be a guru all mm-hmm. the time. We don't mm-hmm. have to be the, the, the head person, the lead person. We want people, that's the way that you build an audience, when they can grow with your unknowns. Mm. Because I promise you, if you've got them, other people have them too. Yes, they when do. You, when they grow with your unknowns and you become the light for that, when you, be, you say, hey, y'all, guess what I found out? Mm-hmm. Then they will begin to say, hey, Mildred has, She's discovered this thing for us. Mm-hmm. And now you've got a customer base. Now you've got a customer service. Now you've got people who, when you need them most, will run to you and help you because you share with them the authenticity, the authenticity of your unknowns. Oh, that is so powerful. Where, and, and I feel that humility is in there, too, in order to embrace your Absolutely. unknowns. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, you have to. It pours me to be, for people to be arrogant. <laughs> Say that I mean, one more time, Bishop. Arrogant ignorance is something. Oh else, my goodness, right? that's the worst time. I, I said it. it, 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 it the, the, ooh, you know, you know, they don't know. They know they don't know, and they want to be arrogant about the fact that they don't know. Right? Okay. That's <laughs> at any rate, we get in our own way sometimes, don't we? Yes. <laughs> in our own way, absolutely. So, so I want to ask you one last question. What do okay. you? What would you like uh, to state as our call to action as we talk about this? workplace culture and people in the culture and we know we're in a transitionary time as a you know as a country as a society what is our call to action at this point in the workplace in the work that you do every day when you get up and put those tie those shoelaces and head out that door to go be productive and serve humanity in some form or fashion what is that call to action i think the call to action is it is, it is wellness. It is discovering the sense of wholeness. Mm-hmm. It is understanding foundations that are necessary to get us to the future. I think, especially for us in, in Black History Month, as we toggle as African-Americans in this country, in the workspace, I think it's very important that we understand that we stand and we work and we move and we breathe on the bloodshed and the tears of others. Oh, yes. And so we can never... We can never operate from a sense of compromise because we never want to disregard what our, what our foundation has done for us because it is the platform on which we stand. Mm-hmm. But I think in this idea now of wellness, we have now we are partaking in the conversations of wellness and the conversations of, of a holistic sense of being. I think the call to action now is that we have to come together without compromise. Mm. We have to be able to amalgamate without having this sense of, I have to forget who I have been, who I was, and this in order to be a part, right? Mm -hmm. Find a sense of knowing that says, it is well, watch this hymn, with my soul. Yes. It is well with my soul. Uh, Listen, storms are going to come. Mm -hmm. Winds are going to fall. 
floods are going to rise, and the waters are going to beat on our houses. But the scripture says in Matthew 7, the, the, those that are founded on a rock, on a sense of well-being, on a sense of stable foundation, all of these things are going to happen. Mm. But after it's over, because every storm passes, mm. that house was still found standing. And the scripture tells us because it was built on a rock. Mm. My call to action for every person who is leading in this hour is to examine, yeah, do an introspective look on what we're built on. And live from that solid foundation. Mm. Find solid, find people around you that are not going to allow you to get away with these little nuances that become habits, that become a lifestyle that, yes. that self-defeat who you are. Mm -hmm. Find a sense of wellness in your soul mm -hmm. to say, this is what I stand for. This is who God has made me. And live from that, from that foundation toward the future. It's easy. It's easy to, to copy somebody. Mm -hmm. It's easy to look at social media. It's easy to, oh my to goodness. see all of the successes. But every success stands on the solid foundations of failures and perseverance, mm -hmm. right? They failed, but they kept moving, right? And, and this, is how, this is how we become whole. This is how we become well, that that even in the midst of all of the things that are going on in my life, just like that woman with the issue of blood, mm -hmm. we keep pressing and we keep grabbing, right? Mm. We keep grabbing a hold to something that's going to give us hope and expectation for a better tomorrow. If we finally, if we lose our sense of expectation for a better tomorrow, then our todays will be worse than we ever have known. Oh and so goodness. we always have to look to see a hopeful tomorrow, an expected future, and always do not cancel out what God is going to do for you with your own mouth. Always says, it's going to get better because I'm getting better. Because I'm a part of this, it's always going to be better because I'm getting better. That's, that's what I would share for them as a call to action. Wow. Thank you. <laughs> this was so powerful. You're welcome. Greatly appreciated. How can people stay connected to you, Bishop Smith? How can people stay connected? You don't want to connect with me. No, I think people can stay connected with me. With me, with you can go to lspenceronline.com. It's my new website that I'm formulating. Awesome. Um, it's going to have all things Elspeth Smith, my artistry, my ministry, books that I'm writing. Uh, I'm getting ready to do a podcast. So you can go to L. Spencer, and that's Spencer with two S's, S P E N S E R, online, lspenceronline.com. I am L. Spencer Smith on. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you can follow me there. I'm always sharing little nuggets to help us along our day. We can connect and everything. It's me. It's not somebody standing outside of me. I think my 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 artist Facebook page has particular managers because I get a lot of requests. They, they process. But if you want a more personal touch from L. Spencer, definitely L. Spencer Smith on all of the social media sites, lspencersmithonline.com. And here it is. Most of all, you can visit me at the Impact Nation Fellowship Church, 1110 26th Avenue East in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Um, you can hear me there um, and be a part of everything that we do. And um, that's how you can stay in touch with Elle. Thank you so much. I can't thank you enough for your time today. This has been so thank you, uplifting and, and insightful. Thank you so much, Bishop. And thank you, audience. Now, do you have a burning workplace question that you'd like to ask me? Contact us at contact at peopleoptimum.com. That's contact at P-E-O-P-L-E-O-P-T-I-M-U-M.com. Ask the question, like and share. Thank you.